welcome, everybody. It's time for Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and challenges of manufacturing here in America. Brought to you by your hosts at All Metals and Forge Group. With the nuts and bolts of our show here today, welcome Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Hey, guys. Hey there. How you doing? Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the national conversation about manufacturing in America, live on the Internet, where we go behind the numbers to give you the in-depth story, because it is manufacturing and the manufacturing industries that have led America out of every recession. You can find Manufacturing Talk Radio at mfgtalkradio.com. And if you would like to ask one of us a question, please email it to live at mfgtalkradio.com. We're excited today to have two very special guests with us who I will introduce individually as we dive deeper into the ISM number that was released on Friday at 10 a.m. First, let me introduce our guest and co-host, Mr. Lou Weiss, president and founder of All Metals and Forge Group, an open die and seamless rolled ring forging manufacturer. Lou, tell us about All Metals and Forge Group, which has been a manufacturer or information resource for over 40 years. Thanks, Tim. You didn't really leave me much left to say, so <laughs> thanks again. Sorry. It makes my job easier. Yes, All Metals and Forge Group has been uh, in the metals industry for just about 40 years. Uh, which the last 20 years have been mainly focused on open die forgings and small and large seamless rolled uh, rings. Uh, since 1994, when we went live on the Internet, we used the website not only for marketing, but a provider of information, uh, metallurgical data, news of the industries to a broad-based manufacturing base. The idea of Manufacturing Talk Radio is just an updated version of dispersing manufacturing information to a, a limitless base of manufacturers nationally and internationally. The Institute of Supply Management was an obvious choice to participate with us on our very first show. We invited a very special guest today. So, Tim, why don't you tell us a little bit about our guest? Okay, and now I'd like to introduce Mr. Brad Holcomb, Chair of the Institute of Supply Management Manufacturing Business Survey Committee. Thank you for being with us today, Brad. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to the discussion. Oh, that's great. Brad, could you explain to our listeners the role of the Institute of Supply Management, who are its members, and what is its purpose? Certainly. The Institute for Supply Management, formerly known as the National Association of Purchasing Managers, or NAPM, really got its beginnings in about 1931 or perhaps even a little bit before that, but we know the report on business in its earliest forms was produced and published at that time and has been published ever since except for a four-year period uh, during the war. Uh, we have 40,000 members uh, across the world, 150 affiliates in international uh, areas, and members from 90 countries. The mission of ISM is to enhance the value and performance of the procurement supply management profession, its practitioners, and, and organizations. And we do that through education, research, standards of excellence, and information dissemination like we're doing today. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Brad. Now, we know that the Institute publishes many reports, including the monthly report on business, 
that contains the much-anticipated ISM number or PMI number that is released just after 10 a.m. on the first business day of every month. Grant, how is the PMI compiled and calculated each month to reflect the state of manufacturing in the U.S.? Yes, and just to uh, really reflect back on history, I mentioned the report on business going all the way back to 1931. The PMI index itself was developed in 1982 by ISM and the Department of Commerce jointly, and it's been uh, published uh, ever since. And the process is that we have about 350 procurement supply management professionals that report back to us on a monthly basis really exactly what's happening this month in their factories relative to last month. And so these, uh, we call them panelists, and they're all anonymous, but they're all hand-picked, generally speaking with long-term service and uh, highly networked within their corporations. They do a great job in a disciplined way reporting, as I said, what's happening in their factories each month. We compile that information uh, in the staff location at Tempe, Arizona. I get the report uh, compiled and I uh, personally write the reports and then disseminate them to, to Wall Street on the first business day of the month, as you mentioned. Yeah, that's great. Brad, let me ask you the burning question people have about America, where we seem to be outsourcing everything. What is manufacturing's contribution to the gross domestic product, and how do you see that changing over time? At the present time, manufacturing, as best uh, we can see, is about 11 to 12% of gross domestic product. And it really has been growing in terms of its gross uh, production, if you will, but the percentage of GDP has declined over the past few decades from probably 25% a few decades ago to, as I said, 11 or 12%. Nevertheless, on an absolute scale, it has been growing. And, of course, the services sector has taken over and accounts for a much larger portion these days. Nevertheless, we see uh, manufacturing, you know, coming back into the U.S. And, and uh, you, you can see certain stories like cell phones being produced in Texas these days, which is where I'm talking from. And I know that many companies are considering the same uh, because of, you know, risk factors and cost factors. So what I can say in summary is that from my point of view and through the data, manufacturing in the U.S. is strong as ever, healthy, and positioned for growth. Well, that's encouraging. Uh, the PMI number, we know it's not, you know, it's just a number, but it's really the report on business that's the backbone of what's happening Give us an idea of what that report contains, Brad. No, absolutely. And let me refer to the report that we just published uh, and released on, on November 1st. It is a tremendous amount of detail, as, as you've alluded to, in, in the report itself. I'm holding it in my hands, and people can see it on the ISM website, which is www.ism.ws a little tricky on the .ws, but the reports and historical reports and historical data are all there for people to read and appreciate. 
So the report itself is uh, nine or ten pages. In this case, uh, this month, it's ten pages long, and it contains a lot of definitive data on the 18 manufacturing sectors that I mentioned in terms of which ones are growing and which ones are contracting. But then it goes on to to also talk about these industries in terms of how they're doing with new orders, production, employment, supplier deliveries, and inventories, which directly feed into the PMI, and several other dimensions such as prices of raw materials, imports and export, customer inventories, and so on, that are additional information beyond the PMI and the supporting uh, indexes that go into it. So there's a lot of detail and data, and I would invite our listeners to, to really dig in to appreciate what's there. And we are going to, going to dig into that report a little bit today. Uh, Lou, I know that you have followed this report closely for several decades, but your business doesn't always track with the PMI. How have you seen the last two or three months where the PMI is rising? Well, back in uh, 25 years ago when I started tracking the report, it was the PMI number that I looked at and realized after about three or four years that, wait a minute, I have to get into the report and uh, look at our particular sector that affects uh, our particular business. Typically, we were always a leading indicator. Whatever was in the report was what was happening with uh, All Metals and Forge Group. The last several months, however, uh, we noticed that uh, there's a bit of a departure um, based on the PMI number. When we looked into the specific industries, fabricated metals, for example, or primary metals, we have seen that those industries are not expanding right now and that they are uh, tracking behind the uh, 50 number. So uh, we've been using that information, though, to guide our business in, in terms of our sales and marketing. We keep a very careful uh, watch on uh, on the report and look forward to it. Yeah, it, it is a, a terrific amount of information, and we're going to walk uh, through it in some detail. But before we do that and before we come back and start jumping into the report, we're going to just take a brief commercial break, and we'll be back with Manufacturing Talk Radio. All Metals and Forge Group is your best source for open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless, and tool steels, nickel, aluminum, titanium, and copper. To learn more, simply go to steelforge.com and send us your request for quote. That information again is www.steelforge.com. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit AXPGOLD.COM. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at AXPGOLD.COM. And now back to our nuts and bolts guys and their nuts and bolts discussion here. Let's get into the report a little bit. We're talking about 18 manufacturing industries, 14 are reporting growth in October, and four are showing some contraction. Can you give us a little idea of what's going on in the growth sectors and what may be contributing to the contraction? 
Right, and, and just picking up on the on the just previous discussion in terms of correlating one's business with the PMI, you know, you're exactly right that you need to, to look into the details of the different industries and for example, you know, primary metals will not always track according to total PMI. We do have, as I mentioned, eighteen different industries and we position our panel in terms of the number of panelists for each sector according to the percentage that each sector contributes to overall GDP. So in the case of primary metals, for example, uh, we indicate that that sector represents only 2.54% of GDP. So it certainly could, you know, be viewed differently when you look at it in detail rather than total, which again emphasizes the point of, of getting into detail. Does that make sense? Sure. You've made a couple of notes here on the last 12 months in terms of the PMI and, and the flow of it. Did you have a question for Brad on that? The trend seemingly has been uh, going up in terms of the total PMI. Uh, again, not to overly rehash the fact that uh, our particular industries have been going somewhat backwards. I think one of my questions that I might have for Brad is that from a forecast standpoint, what is uh, your view, Brad, in terms of you know the, the Rust Belt industries, the uh, primary metals, fabricated metals, machinery builders, off-road, mining, oil and gas and such? That's really a question for, for a true economist or someone that follows that particular sector. It does seem just sort of in, in summary that primary metals is lagging behind, you know, the rest of the industries. It's not the only one. You know, going back a, a half a step, we have 14 industries that are reporting growth in October and as you said four that are reporting a decline and of those four uh, primary metals is one but also apparel leather and allied products is another chemical products uh, is another and that's been lagging for quite some time under pressure as well as miscellaneous manufacturing uh, so you know this this ebbs and flows and changes from time to time. I would think that, you know, primary metal certainly is related to, you know, to transportation, but also to, to many other things, including to companies and industries that would be represented by Caterpillar and John Deere. And so you can look at, at those companies to find, you know, some correlations and some answers. Best I can do from an engineering perspective and from uh, the data here. Just to rehash for a moment, one of the points that uh, we look at is the new orders. And we know that when new orders in our particular sectors are on the rise, we're usually about 30 days for actual purchases and new contracts and new RFQs are coming online. Um, is that based from your, your side of the fence? Yeah, that, that feels right. And speaking of new orders, that's really what drives this whole CMI more so than, than really anything else, you know, conceptually. Although let me, let me point out to the audience that the PMI is constructed specifically from five different sub-indexes, and, and here they are. New orders, production, employment, 
supplier deliveries, and inventories of raw materials. And each of those is measured on its own and then contribute 20% each to the PMI. So in that sense, new orders is weighted equally with the other four. On the other hand, I think it only makes sense that you've got to have a continuous feed of new orders for this whole system to be vibrant. That's been certainly true for the past several months with new orders being about 60% for the last three months continuously. Brad, do you at all factor in uh, transportation revenues as a indicator for your purposes? No, not not revenues. Again, the, the ones that I've mentioned factor particularly into the PMI. And each of these indexes is what we call a diffusion index. We ask the panelists the specific question in each case of are things better, worse, or the same this month relative to last month. And then a diffusion index takes the full value of what they tell us is better and half the value of what they tell us is the same to result in the the index itself. And that provides sort of clear directional information on the indexes such as new orders, production, employment, etc., which is what we're looking for. We're looking for the direction, is it same, better, or worse. So we, we don't look at revenues at all. We look at things from the standpoint that I just mentioned. Brad, I've always been curious because I've read a number of these reports, and what you hear on the nightly news is a, a sound bite. You know, the number is 56.4 for the month of October, and above 50% means manufacturing economy is expanding, and below it's generally contracting. But the report also says a PMI in excess of 42.2 over a period of time generally indicates an expansion of the overall economy. So right. how does that relate? That one doesn't register in my brain very well. We work uh, each December with the Department of Commerce to really look at the seasonal impacts of, of the data and take out seasonality. But we also look at a number of other indexes and correlate our PMI with, for example, GDP. And out of that correlation study comes the number 42.2. So it is statistically based and refresh each December for the year ahead, working with the Department of Commerce. So even if manufacturing is below 50 but above 42.2, the correlation, generally speaking, and, and we understand statistics, indicates the expansion of the overall economy. Okay. And now the new orders index for October was 60 points. Uh, and it's been fairly strong for the last couple of months. Do you have any sense of where it's going in the next 90 days? Expect the economy. And there, here's what I'm asking. Everyone's waiting for the economy to pick up. We're waiting for the right. boom. And no one's sensing it or feeling it. Do you have any sense or feel for it uh, with the Institute? Well, this year has been, you know, very interesting. But so has the, the last several years, obviously, since since the recession. And I spoke with, with the chief economist at the uh, Fed here in Dallas, who's been at his 
job essentially for for 40 years and he he reminds me that we're in unprecedented territory following the recession that this recovery is unlike anything else that we've experienced and so people can can guess and forecast and so on but history is not necessarily repeating itself so with that in mind, nobody likes how this recovery has taken place. And, and I use the term, it's sort of been a recovery in fifth and starts, you know, almost continuously looking for direction. Having said that, if we look at this year from January, and again, I invite the readers to look at all these details and data on the ISM.WS website. We started out with a PMI in January of 53.1. Then it went to 54.2 in February and started to cool off 51, 50, 49, below 50 in May, and then back up to, to 50.9 in June. So that's that covers the first half of 2013, and I'm going from memory. I think the average was about 51.8 or something very close to that in the first half of the year. However, I see a distinct change in the third quarter, started, you know, July, August, and September, where the average was something like, you know, 55 and change. So almost, you know, a full four points uh, higher in the third quarter than the full first half. And then that continued into the first month of the fourth quarter, namely October, at 56.4. So we've got four months in a row of pretty strong numbers relative to the first half. Now that is, I think, interesting and suggestive of the fact that we've built some momentum in manufacturing. And manufacturing is ultimately, whether it leads or lags, a reflection of the whole economy. So I think that things are certainly in a positive trend right now. I think what I could say is I don't see anything in my data that would suggest we're not going to stay on this track for a while. Brad, that part of your explanation probably answers my point about why all metals and forge group numbers are not consistent with the PMI as it usually has right. been for decades. Well, I'll be honest, you know, the, the process of, of developed seasonals each year since then has been more challenging than it has been before because things just don't just don't look the same. As I said, it's been a recovery in, in fits and starts, and that plays uh, havoc with uh, with the computer model sometimes. Again, we're in somewhat unprecedented territory, and I don't know how long that's going to persist. But what I can say in the last four months, it feels like we're at a at a pretty solid position and at least positioned for a continuation of, of good growth in manufacturing. That's great to hear. And uh, we'll take a quick commercial break here and uh, be back shortly. The Institute for Supply Management, ISM, is a not-for-profit educational association that serves more than 40,000 supply management professionals with over 150 affiliates in more than 90 countries. ISM's mission is to enhance the value and performance of procurement and supply chain management practitioners and their organizations worldwide. They do this through education, 
research, standards of excellence, and information dissemination, including the renowned ISM Report on Business. So for more information, simply check out the Institute for Supply Management. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. All Metals and Forge Group and ISO 9001 and AS9100 registered company provides manufacturing and industrial companies with quick price and delivery quotes and clean quality forgings for their parts from aircraft engines and landing gears to gear blanks and downhole shafts, hubs or subs. To learn more, simply go to steelforge.com and send us your RFQ for any open die forgings or seamless rolled rings from 20 pounds to over 80,000 pounds. That's steelforge.com. And now back to our in-depth discussion of uh, what lies in this report. You guys are coming up with some interesting statistics that don't... uh, pop out at uh, first glance here. The, the purpose of the report and, and why so much emphasis should really be placed on what's behind it. Brad, we were kind of encouraged to, to hear you say that it looks like we're building up some momentum. There's no predicting it, but I'm sure that the listeners are happy to hear that there's That's some right. kind of momentum. You know, the other thing that seems to be lagging out there is employment. I know the unemployment number seems to be going down, but I don't see the the creation of jobs at a pace that would be driving that. Um, right, right. How do, you, how do you see employment? Well, in, employment, you know, overall, I think is is rather perplexing. I, I, everyone that I talk to doesn't quite understand, you know, all of the reports and the implications of, you know, how many people are actually, you know, employed versus people or, and and those that are added in various sectors relative to those that have stopped looking. So it, it's kind of confusing, I think, to, to the best of us. But from from a manufacturing perspective, uh, one of our key sub-indexes is employment in terms of a diffusion index. And it's been growing for four consecutive months. And it's been growing largely since um, since we started to climb out of the recession with just a few data points uh, below 50. So when we say that employment is growing, and the number this month is 53.2, you know, we're talking about adding select jobs, and we're talking about uh, you know filling open positions and strategic positions within manufacturing and an appetite to do that in order to keep up with new orders and production requirements. So, you know, in general, our employment thrust and direction has been positive, but it doesn't translate into into big numbers in manufacturing because of a couple of things. One, again, it's only 11 to 12% of GDP, and second, manufacturing has continuously been devoted to efficiency and effectiveness through automation and that continues to be a factor 
and really limiting the amount of employment that manufacturing represents. It's not to say there aren't many, many jobs and good jobs. It's simply a matter of fact that uh, companies also look for productivity gains whenever possible. Okay. Let me just uh, interject because sure. we've talked about prediction and forecast and things like that. That gives me an opportunity to let the audience know of two other reports, uh, and those are what we call semi-annual reports that I also write along with my colleague, Tony uh, Nuevez, who does the non-manufacturing report. And the semi-annual report is a forecast. It's first published in December, and you can find these on the website. It's published in December, and then it's refreshed a few months later such as April or May. And it's this same panel of 350 people on the manufacturing side as well as a corresponding panel on the non-manufacturing side forecasting what's going to happen 12 months ahead. And then, as I said, it's refreshed in, in April or May. So in the latest refresh of the semi-end report in, in late April, the panel has predicted a four point, I think it's a 4.8% growth in overall revenue from manufacturing for 2013. So that's a pretty decent growth rate in terms of, of revenue. I would suggest that we didn't get a whole lot of that in the first half of the year, but we seem to be getting it and getting sort of caught up to that in the second half of the year. So I think what we're seeing is consistent with the latest forecast from the same panel. Brad, in the report, you have a, a section called what respondents are saying, and you have about 10 or 15 different industries uh, reporting a comment, and it's right. pretty much a mixed bag of doom and gloom or yippee, we're hitting home runs. Is that pretty much across the board of all the comments that you get? You know, many people tell me is is just as interesting, if not more interesting, than the numbers. So we get hundreds and hundreds of verbatim comments from our panelists, and I do my best to comb through all of those and select about 10 to actually put in the report. And so what you see is my best effort to be representative of, of all of those comments. And this month, from my perspective, they're mostly positive. You know, for example, textile mills, and there's been a lot of news reports and headlines. New business is booming. That's the quote. Here's one from Furniture and Related, which is allied to, to housing. Business continues to improve every month for the past nine months. One from food and beverage industry, big box stores discounting, providing increased sales bump short term. So a lot of positives, but as you said, there are a few that are sort of on the other side. And one from machinery, and that's been sort of under pressure uh, for the last uh, year or so. Our customers continue to be cautious and are closely managing their purchases business continues to be flat to slightly down. So there's definitely a mix. But what I can say in general is this is the opportunity for our panelists 
to try and provide some insights above and beyond or beneath, however you want to say it, the numbers themselves. The numbers represent what's going on this month specifically. The comments are a little bit broader and provide you know, a different kind of insight from the manufacturing perspective. Okay, well, that's great. We're going to take another quick break here, uh, Brad, and then when we come back, we have a couple of questions coming in by email, and then we'll uh, wrap up the show. So let's take a, a commercial break. As we said earlier, All Metals and Forge Group is your best source for open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless, and tool steels, nickel, aluminum, titanium, and copper. To learn more about any of these things, simply visit our website at steelforge.com or send us your request for quote. That website again is steelforge.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Today we're talking with the Institute for Supply Management, ISM, is a not-for-profit educational association that serves more than 40,000 supply management professionals with more than 150 affiliates in more than 90 countries. ISM's mission is to enhance the value and performance of procurement and supply chain management practitioners and their organizations worldwide. They do this through education, research, standards of excellence, and information dissemination, including the renowned ISM Report on Business. ISM, in conjunction with the W.P. Carey School of Business in Arizona State University, established CAPS Research to provide industry-oriented research. ISM Services offers global procurement consulting through ADR North America and ADR China. Looking for some facts about ISM members? 18% are responsible for $100 million in annual spending. That's in U.S. dollars. And 42% are in the manufacturing industry. More than 20,000 have an annual spend of $11 million or higher. Pretty impressive statistics from the Institute for Supply Management. And now back to our guys, talking about the nuts and bolts of the new report that just came out here. Brad, I have a question for you. I, I noticed during the break, and also from knowing your organization, that you've got branches, divisions, affiliations globally. How does that work? How do they put together their numbers? Is that something that you're involved with on an international basis? Or right. have you just taught them the knack on how to do it? A couple of different things. When we talk about affiliates uh, of ISM, they're independent organizations which are aligned with us and which procurement and supply management professionals as they belong to ISM worldwide. So it really refers to the membership uh, of the organization when we talk about affiliates. But there's another aspect that I think you're alluding to, and that is Many other countries uh, produce uh, what's called a PMI. People will be familiar with the China PMI, the Eurozone PMI, Japan, Korea, etc. Taiwan is one of the newest. Each one of those PMIs is modeled after 
the precedent that we've set and utilizing our general model. In, in most cases, we have directly sat down with those representatives in years past to, to pass along our model and then those organizations work to, to develop the panels and the process in detail for their countries. It's not to say that every implementation is exactly the same as ours, but certainly they're modeled after ours in a more general way. We don't control them at all. We're not actively participating on a, on a daily, weekly, or monthly, or annual basis, but we have helped them to set them up uh, in past years. Brad, based on your experience, the information that's coming out of some of the international, quote-unquote, PMIs, the delicate question is how valid is the information that is coming forth? Is that something that you can comment on without beating up the competition? Well, we, I don't view them as competition. I, I look at those indexes uh, with great interest, and, and what I look for, for the most part, is consistency and trend as opposed to a specific number uh, each month. And I find them to be understandable. They seem to make sense, maybe not in a particular month, but certainly on a trend basis. So I, I have no no quarrel with, with any of them. I'd also say that there are regional PMIs in, in the United States, such as Chicago. There are some that are produced by the Fed branches. There's one in Dallas here that looks a little bit different. But again, none of those are connected, nor do we rely on any of the regional reports for our data, which is to say that our data and our process is independent of anything and everything else, and it's been consistently in place for many, many years, and I think it, that's exactly why this is looked at so religiously, to use the term, by economists, by the Fed, by companies, by Wall Street, and by manufacturing companies. Well, it's certainly an excellent report, Brad. And I know you produce more than just this report. You produce several reports with ISM. Where can people find that information? ISM's website is www.ism.ws. And I'm looking at it right now under publications, the first bullet is reports on business and there's a number of different sections including the manufacturing report on business the non-manufacturing there's even a brochure on how this is put together we've touched on many of the aspects today but actually we're just sort of scratching the surface in this instance but there's a brochure there's the semi-annual reports there's discussion about the seasonal adjustments in the process and there's previous data. So people can, can dig in. They can dig into their specific industry. They can chart and trend things on their own to try and make sense out of them. And, and one other thing that we haven't talked about that's on the face of every monthly report is a section called Commodities Reported Up and Down in Price and in Short Supply. I think this is an excellent opportunity for people in companies to appreciate commodities that are going up in price, uh, like this month, coordinated boxes, some resins, so some of the steel products. 
products which are going down in price. Caustic soda is the only one this month. Commodities in short supply, some electrical components and helium. People, certainly buyers and, and planners, can look at this and it can impact their strategies and tactics on, on when and how to buy. Brad, we were talking before about uh, call, uh, email call-ins, and we do have quite a few of them here, and we're running out of time, but I also, our engineer here has pointed out that uh, you've pretty much answered the emails that we've gotten in, so you kind of preempted the the reading of the emails and answered the questions, so I, I, I appreciate well, uh, the the insight from you. Excellent. Uh, Brad, uh, we didn't get uh, as deep into the report as I had hoped, and what we would like to do is look forward to another show in the near future and uh, invite you back to be our guest. We'd love to have you on it. That would be my pleasure. Thank you. And, and thank and you. I agree. We just, we just scratched the surface. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Lou, thank you for your time. You've had some terrific insight with this report and certainly educated us here at Manufacturing Talk Radio about its importance and its impact. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. If you would like to know more about Manufacturing Talk Radio, we're at mfgtalkradio.com or on the ISM at www.ism.ws. And for All Metals and Forge Group, www.steelforge.com. been listening to the MFG Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.